XL, Charlotte Sports Live. That point right now where it is with June 26th, the NBA draft is done. The Panthers don't start training camp for a month. So that means we have some fun Panthers talk tonight. We're making some things up. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have a lot of fun. Like, what are the real expectations for the Panthers? Charlotte Sports Live tonight. Will Kunkel, Grace, we got Gabe. Anybody else joining the show? Brian Blakely will be here a little bit later for Quick Six. We got the whole crew. Yay, Brian. Oh, come on. We love Brian. <laughs> yeah, but not only Panthers, we got to talk about what the Hornets are doing in mm -hmm. free agency because they've got some decisions to make. Plus, the College World Series is now over. What a what a game. What a season. Ross Chastain, what a race last night in Nashville. Nails. He called game. And then, like I said, we got Quick Six coming up tonight, too. But first, Panthers. 30 days is all that stands between us and headed down to Spartanburg for that first practice. That is all we got in Sparty. Hot heat football. This will be the first time that we get to see the Panthers, by the way, as a whole on the field, which means fans will start to create expectations. And frankly, a lot of those expectations, fans, be real with yourself. They're unrealistic, okay? Whether they're really good or they're really bad, they're one end of the spectrum. They're, they're not usually reasonable. That's why we are here. What's reasonable this year from the Panthers? First, before we talk about it, here's Frank Reich talking about building a winning culture at his introductory press conference. You know, no man becomes suddenly different from his habits and cherished thoughts. And so we're going to be a team and an organization that is about creating championship habits, championship thoughts. We're going to cultivate those. We're going to nurture those. And those are going to grow. They're going to be infectious. All right, so in the last 20 seasons, quarterbacks that are pushed into the starting role right away complete almost 60% of their passes. They throw for more than 3,000 yards and have a positive touchdown to interception ratio. Hopefully Young will have a rookie season like RG3, Andrew Luck, or even Matt Jones, whose first years all resulted in a playoff appearance. So speaking of realistic expectations, I think we can start with the playoffs. I think that's a realistic expectation. To expect to get in? Yeah. So I'll go – You. It is reasonable to expect to compete to get in because last year you had Baker Mayfield, a proven veteran in the NFL, didn't have a great season, obviously. And then Sam Darnold, who is also a proven veteran in the NFL and played his tail off at the end just to get him into contention. And obviously they had to overcome some sideline issues, let's just say, on the team. And now you have a rookie quarterback. Like I think we are putting way too much, I think, way too much pressure and expectations on Bryce Young. Given like, the what NFC was the South? What was, yeah, but what was the last time a quarterback came in as a rookie and, and just lit it up and was unbelievable? I don't know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I know, but, but I'm saying, we're like talking Manning expectations, struggles. Yeah, right? I and expect them the to NFC compete. South. I don't expect them to get in because Derek Carr. Well, that's really low. Best quarterback in the NFC South, right? Yeah. Yeah, like best quarterback, and it's it's really not even close. Well, I mean, you got Ritter. Dalton in here, too. Yeah, okay, so if, if we <laughs> That's why I know I'm right, because if your argument is the backup quarterback, that's like all bad. Like all bad. It's like saying, oh, yeah, but we got the best second string center. It's a, it's a working it's a working arena. That's why mm -hmm. we have vets in here. That's why we have like, yes, I don't I don't with with any we're talking about Hornets or we're talking about Panthers. I don't like putting heavy expectations on the new guy coming in right away because right. yes, he played at Alabama. Yes, he went up against NFL tier talent. It's still not the NFL with everybody's no. experience. So I don't like putting it on them, but with who they've, the coaching staff and who they've surrounded, I think, 
I don't like putting ex the high expectation is oh we expect them to compete like yeah you're a pro you're paid to compete right but I mean ex I, I like last year I did not expect them to compete in the NFC South I, like I did not expect them to get near the playoffs and then they fired Matt Rule turned things around like this like the only reason I did it is because I saw this I saw I've seen this movie before I, I saw this movie right so this is obviously a little different movie I don't expect them to get the playoffs I think I don't think it's highly unreasonable though to expect them to get in I just like. Just compete. Come down to the last game, with, at least with a chance to get in. Like that, that's, that's certainly reasonable. Okay, well, I mentioned Andy Dalton, and I you think did. many would like him to, well, be successful, but not too successful. That you don't want to see, see a lot Young. of them, yes. right? Like, like if you're seeing Bryce Young, it, it mean, I mean, if you're seeing Andy Dalton, it means Bryce Young is not on the field and he's hurting. I don't say that because of his size. Everyone's going to always go to the size with Bryce Young. But the Panthers have relied heavily on their backup quarterbacks the last five years. So, Gabe, the backup quarterback has become increasingly important the last few years, has it not? Just two – there he is. First of all, now that we've got it on camera, look at the LSU colors. Spoiler it. alert, we'll get to those up. highlights in a minute. <laughs> you got to throw it up, man. Of course, talking about those backup quarterbacks, the old saying is when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But that's normally the case when you have a competition, such as the one we had here last year. Now, having a solid backup, especially one that's been around the block, is crucial in the growth of a young quarterback. And it's safe to say Andy Dalton has been around the block a good bit. Now, for most quarterbacks, having them to go back to being quarterback two after starting 14 games, which Dalton did for the Saints last year, isn't an easy ask. But Dalton has been in this spot before, and he knew what he was getting into once he arrived in Carolina. Still, he's kept the same approach and aims to help Bryce Young in every way possible, similar to how he had guidance coming into the league back in 2011. For me, it's to go just be me out there and play like I can play and uh, practice how I expect to practice and do things like that. And, um, you know, I think with part of that, it's helping Bryce learn the NFL game and the mechanics of getting in out of the huddle and all the little things that you need to learn going into it. So over the years, there have been plenty of rookie QBs that had a vet to look up to. Some examples here, starting back in 2018, it was the Panthers quarterback coach Josh McCown mentoring Sam Donald on the Jets. And in 2021, the current Panthers veteran voice in the QB room, Andy Dalton, was mentoring Justin Fields in Chicago. And in that same year, Mike White was the man with the most experience for the Jets when Zach Wilson was said to take over, obviously, his first game at Fat L here against those Panthers. So obviously, looking at these guys, Andy Dalton, I mean, he's done this before. I mean, playing in Dallas, being in New Orleans last year, I mean, he started pretty much the whole season. Now, a lot of fans are like, maybe they kind of did Jameis a little wrong, but I think he comes in in a good spot. I think having him here is definitely crucial to help Bryce Young out, for sure, with the experience he has. I mean, it's, you've got to have veteran yeah. leadership somewhere in this quarterback. Like, yeah. If you think about it, if you don't have Andy Dalton, you have Matt Corral, who's never played a game in the NFL, yeah. and Bryce Young, who's never played a game in the NFL. That's a bad recipe. Yeah. So bringing in Andy Dalton, and even if it was Sam Darnold, I think Sam wanted to get a, a chance to play somewhere else and knew he wasn't going to get it with Bryce Young here. You knew you needed somebody here that had yeah. years of experience. And the thing is, we've seen our backup quarterbacks a lot over the last few years. We got a graphic for you guys. In 82 possible games since 2018, 41% of the games have been started by a backup quarterback. Not a good recipe. Oh, my gosh. Like, when we came up with this percentage, I, I thought in my head when we came up with this yeah. idea, I was thinking 24, 25%, which would be a high number in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, 41%. Nearly half your games are started by a backup. So that's why Andy Dalton is so key. So if you're looking at this graphic, I mean, look at the names. Kyle, and these are not Andy Dalton names, by the way. Right. Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Will Greer, PJ Walker, a Cam Newton that was 
was over the hill. Let's just be very honest. They True. came out of retirement, didn't have a team because nobody wanted them. Patriots had, had released him at that point. And then 2022, you get Sam Darnold, who was the most proven quarterback on that list. Well, I also think this is why Andy Dalton is in the right role for this because one mm. he does bring the experience yeah. I like that he was even just in the NFC South but you have to remember like Sam Darnold was never he's just not that player to be in a role to play backup to to Bryce where Dalton kind of gets it he accepts yeah. that right. and even if he did I like that Josh McGowan's dealt with the same thing so even Andy can go to him and say okay what am I dealing with here because he has that experience as a coach both these guys Andy or Sam could True. start in the NFL right. if things kind of fell their way right Sam, more so than Andy, only because Andy's got however many more years in he's the NFL. Older, he's yeah. a little bit older, right? He's ready for the backup role. He understands yeah. the time. It's time to leave. It's time to help Bryce. Yeah. Sam Sam will be that guy in about five years. Yeah. It's just yeah. not quite yet. Heck, McGowan, right McGowan's now. looks like he could still play out there. Okay. You've seen him at <laughs> training camp. McGowan's I'm like, wait, that's a big boy. He can probably sling it around a little bit. It's the recovery. He can't. <laughs> he, can only, he can only practice one day, and then yeah. he's done for the next week. That's the issue when you get older, Gabe. You'll find that out in a little bit, man, all right? All right, now that the NBA draft is come and gone, by the way, the Hornets must turn to a free agency. You got Kelly Oubre Jr., Dennis Smith Jr., and Svee Mikhailuk, all unrestricted free agents. You also got Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, and Theo Maladin, all restricted agents. So, Gabe, let's start with you. Yeah. Who do you think they name one person they have to bring back? Kelly Oubre. Mm. Coming off the season that he had, and I think – the reason you bring him back is because you could trade him because of the season that you had. I think you could possibly get some assets, but I think if you're looking for a guy to stay, I'd have to go Dennis Smith Jr. I think he really brought some, you know, just some tenacity, some heart to this team. I think that's what they really need, especially on the defensive end and the floor as well. I won't let me both of you guys yeah. again though. Caveat all you know, basketball only. Yeah. Miles Bridges? Yeah. yeah. I would, right, I would say right, right. Like, like no. I mean, brainer. at this yeah. point, I don't even think you need to throw the basketball only in there at this point. And we know it's happening. Yeah. 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 I mean, you need somebody else that can score opposite opposite of Lamella Ball for sure. Yeah, I think with bringing in Miller, I think obviously you're. I I would say Ubre. I would like to see Kelly Ubre back just because I think he did. Like when you are out of your star, your mm -hmm. your star scorer last year, and then they really picked up the the slack. That was just really impressive. But also, I agree with Dennis Smith Jr. Just because. He's one of Steve Clifford's guys. I know they have a really good relationship, and yeah. he's that glue guy, right, in the mm -hmm. locker room. And when you have a lot of young guys, he's kind of that – he's got a good personality to bring everybody together. Yeah. I do think in this point, this is where, with bringing in Miller, you take you, – you package Hayward and Rozier. That's what you do to make a move here. So with Kelly, I'll disagree because he did step up when the guys were out. But he's going to want the money like he stepped up. Sure. Well, the guys aren't going to be out this year, right? You can't – hope for the idea is that yeah. those guys come back. Have those you can't injuries. pay that guy that kind of money yeah. – to be a seventh guy off the bench or, you know, a second, like the seventh man. True. It just, it just Unless you don't sense. bring back Bridges, but that's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know yeah. Bridges is coming yeah. back at this point. We don't know, but we know. Ross Chastain is in the playoffs. Finally, he was in victory lane last night with our Carla Gebhardt. What the Mellow Man had to say after his big win in Nashville. He had a lot to say. And it all comes down to this. You kind of already got a preview. LSU, Florida, game three. We head out to Omaha for one last time. You're watching Charlotte Sports Live. We'll be right back. A win here at Nashville for Ross Chastain puts him in the playoffs. Well, we argued on this show for weeks on if this would happen in 2023, and it did. And now Ross Chastain is virtually guaranteed a spot in NASCAR's playoffs. It was a tough stretch for Ross, considering how many enemies he's made. But <laughs> nonetheless, 
He was smashing watermelons and guitars in Victory Lane. Ross has friends. He, just, he, ra he races aggressively, so the racetrack isn't the best place for him, oddly enough. But Victory Lane, great place for any driver, especially when Carla Gebhardt was there. How about this one-on-one? -on -one? All right, we're here with Ross Chastain in Victory Lane for the first time this season. How does this feel? This is your home track. I mean, how excited are you to have this win right now? Yeah, for track house racing, track house, the word was formed in, Nas in Nashville. Thought of a NASCAR team was formed here with the Tootsies group and Justin Marsh. Justin went to, to Steve and Tootsies and said, take a chance. Believe in me. We're going to do this. That was one of the first groups that really jumped in to sponsor the car. Uh, with Daniel in the 99 and 2021, and then as we grew to two cars in 22, and uh, we've been on a, on a roll ever since. Once we got on our own two feet and our foundation was built, um, Nashville was the heart and soul of our team, and we'll be here tonight at Tootsie's uh, when we get out of here. But you're in victory lane. I mean, this is awesome, right? I, it's been a minute for, since you've been back in victory lane last season, but this feels good for you. Oh, my gosh. I mean... <laughs> You're here more often than not. You see the ups and downs. You see the guys that win, the, the girls that come to Victory Lane. You see the, as, you see us as we fail and we lose, and we lose a whole lot more than we win. But it's been a little rough the last six weeks. And to get here now, to pass the two cars that we passed, is like, holy cow, better than I could have ever imagined to beat those two guys. So it's, it's incredible. And you started, you won your pole, and then obviously in Victory Lane, what made your team so strong this weekend? It's just our processes. GM and Chevrolet give us a great foundation. Trackhouse goes with the key partner group and builds the best car they can. Uh, we were tire testing Tuesday and Wednesday at Bristol. I was working on my racecraft. It never stops. This process, through the good days and bad days, through the rainy days and, and hot days, it never stops. Whether I'm sick like I am kind of right now or not, you, you just keep working and you outwork whoever you think your biggest competition is. So um, for me, it's it's how fast the car was. I can't pass those two cars if I don't have a faster car. And we had a faster car, we were able to get to Victory Lane. It's a night race. I know you're probably partial to the night race. Did, it, did the track change a lot over the course of this race? Oh, absolutely. And we knew it was going to be when we fired off. Like in practice, I thought we were pretty good. Qualifying was the middle of the day. I thought we were good. And then I was like, oh, I'm a little nervous about the night now. <laughs> like, uh-oh. And then we fired off in the race, and I was really loose off turn two, a little bit off turn four. As the shade came in, turn four shaded first, and it gripped up right away. And I thought, Phil, I said to Phil on the radio, uh, turn four gripped up, turn two still slick, and it's got sun on it. He said, good to know. And I thought, please grip up. Please turn two grip up. And as soon as the sun went down, I was in third, maybe you know, two seconds back, and I drove right up to the two meters. And it was only a matter of time before we got by him. Do you know how to play this thing? Not a Where's, where's it going? Do you, I guess you plug this one in. Um, I guess. I, don't I got know. some friends at Riverhouse, uh, Grant and the boys and girls over there. I'll get one of them to play it. I drive the car. They play the music. I like it. And uh, we're going to have a good old time. All right, Ross, we appreciate it. We'll let you get back to celebrating, but congratulations. Thank you. All right, thanks, Carla. So from Nashville to Nebraska, specifically Omaha, Game 3, College World Series. This is it. Florida and LSU for one more time. Florida put up 24 on LSU in Game 2, and they started right where they left off. How about Wyatt Langford? Home run to left field, his third long ball in Omaha. It's 2-0 Gators. Top second, Tommy White at the plate with the bases loaded. He gets one through to left. Two runners score, and if you're Florida, you're thankful it was just two. LSU played six in the inning. 
Oh, they were just getting started. Fourth inning. We're in the bottom of the order, and they're still raking. Josh Pearson sends it into the setting sun. It's a two-run shot for a 9-2 Tigers lead, and LSU laid it on them from there. They need one more out to win it all, and there it is. Look it's at Gabe smiling. the Tiger. LSU wins the College World Series. It's their seventh title for the program, but their first since 09. 18 for the final. And we have a very happy Gabe McDonald. Holy oh, yeah, I feel like we should toss you to post-game sound. <laughs> the Braves, they picked up win number 50 over the weekend in Cincinnati. First in the NL this season to reach that milestone. They're going for 51 tonight against the Tweens. We got highlights now. How about those Braves putting a beating on the boys out in Cincinnati, going for win 51 tonight. And you're going to see Marcelo Zuna hit his 16th, and then Ronald Acuna hit his 17th. But how about the dude on the mound tonight? Spencer Strider got all that run support. He had 10 Ks. He now is the most strikeouts in all of baseball. He's the first Braves pitcher to record 142 strikeouts before July in the World Series era. A guy named John Smoltz did it in 96, and he won the Cy Young that year. Braves win 4-1. Not bad. Not too shabby. World Series in 96, remember that? Yeah, Yankees won. Of, of course, course, you remember, remember that. that. Yeah. Ryan, God, don't come in here trying to preach <laughs> Yankee history to me. Look, I was trying to help we you don't, out we're, we're heavy on time, Brian. We don't have time for you and I to... All right, to we're going to get right to it. This is Quick Six. Can you please give us two minutes on the clock? Brian, you are up first. Looking at the Hornets roster post-draft, what position do you feel, feel still needs to be addressed? I still want to see some sort of defensive stopper in there, some mean guy in the paint who's going to kick everyone out because they got a lot of offense and scorers. Okay, Gabe. Will Nick Smith Jr. be a Hornet starter by the All-Star Game in 2024? No, he will not be. I think, I mean, obviously a solid player. I think he's going to grow into being a solid player for this team, but he will not be starting within the next, you know, eight or so months when the All-Star Game comes around. Don't think he'll be starting, but he will play a decent role, I think. Okay, Will, who's the player that you want to see succeed the most at training camp? Obvious caveat here, all of them. I want to see them all do well. But I want Terrace Marshall Jr. because it is a make or break year for him, and this offense needs another playmaker, so TMJ. All right, Brian, how about some golf? Ricky Fowler's resurgence continued this past weekend at the Travelers Championship. Will he win a tournament by season's end? I know the uh, sentiment is yes, that he is because he's played so well in the last couple of tournaments, but I'm going to say no, but he still will play well. Okay. All right, Gabe. <laughs> Which NBA draft class was the greatest of all time? I know everybody's expecting me to say 03, but I got to pay homage. 1984, Hakeem, Jordan, Stockton, Barkley, eight titles, seven MVPs, all Hall of Famers, best by far. All right, well, what's the one song that gets you pumped up the most for a game? Like, free driving to CSL. Pick up ball. Squad. <laughs> it's Metallica. Give me something Metallica. Some Enter Sandman, okay. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Like I used to listen to too much pump up music when I pitched, and I would get so amped up I couldn't find the strike zone type of deal. And then I had to switch. Not surprised there. Brian, this is my story. <laughs> I don't need you chiming in, okay? But yeah, I, I had to switch to classical music so I can. Okay, Brian, give us yours. Oh, Enter Sandman would be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, anything from ACDC. Earth, Wind, and Fire, September would be Ooh. good. Ooh. Gabe? Crunk yeah. uh, Ain't Dead, Duke Deuce. If you haven't heard it, go, go get some. Right I feel now. like that's one I'm going to have to look up. <laughs> Never heard it. Yeah. All right. Well, how about the former Brave, Freddie Freeman, collecting hit Brave number 2,000 on Sunday. He has just one of six active players with 2,000 hits. The next closest is Jose Altuve. He's 39 away from that. We've got QC Crowns coming up next. 
Well, if you need some more Charlotte Sports Live in your life, you can download our podcast, every episode of CSL in podcast form. It's available right now, so you can listen to Will and Carla and myself and Gabe, all of us talk about all the things. Come on, Mike too. And Mike, we, oh my gosh, We do yes. allow Mike on the podcast. <laughs> Scan that, well, hope you did. Um, okay, it's now time for the QC crown. So we're, we're gonna give ours a little bit of a joint crown. It's uh, Corey Dickerson and Derek Hill colliding over the weekend. And Derek Hill, this is his ball. He's a center fielder. Left fielder's got to bow out on this, but focuses, makes the catch. It's funny, no one got hurt. And they won the game. Hit the high five at the end, like. All right, just like when we draw it up. (laughs) All healthy, all is good. It ends well. That's going to do it for Charlotte Sports Live tonight. Go get the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow night.